7 and verse number 9. The benefit of friends. Make sure you mute the piano too. That thing auto shuts off and that's what that is you hear. You, I mean, it just pops and it's always, and it's half hour afterwards and, and uh, it's just kind of automatic. There's no way to fix that. So they mute it back there. We're good. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9. Uh, we give several verses here, and I'm going to try and squeeze them all in. And I, I, I think we can do so without losing anything from any of them, to be honest with you. But last week we looked at uh, friends. And oftentimes when we look at friends in the Bible, uh, well, I guess it wasn't last week because I wasn't here last week. I guess it was the week before uh, when I was here. We looked at friends in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs specifically, and we talked a little bit about that and, and open rebuke and things of that nature. And oftentimes when we think about friends in the Bible, we tend to look at uh, the negative aspect of friends. And so tonight we're going to see actually the benefit of friends and having friends uh, and, and really being friends in the Bible. So Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 9, the Bible says this, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friends by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. And so let's stop right there and, uh, and let's pray. And then we'll get into our, our passage and our message this evening. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me as only you can. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to each and every heart as only you can this evening. And God, may we see the benefit of having friends. May we see the benefit of being friends. And God, I pray that you would uh, help us to be good friends and help us to have good friends and help us to have the, uh, the full benefits, Father, fully from from having friends uh, in our lives. God, I pray again uh, that you would bless. And all of this I ask in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse, we're going to start with verse 9. Verse 9 and 10, they really go together. Uh, but verse 9, we'll start there. And, uh, and I put down for verse number 9, refreshing of friends. Friends, is, is, it's refreshing to have friends. It's refreshing to have uh, people that you know that you can count on. I'm not talking about uh, friends that you're like, well, they're my friend. And uh, sometimes we call friends very loosely. Um, and so when I think about friends, this Bible passage and this Bible verse really is discussing friends that you would consider close friends. They're not, they're not acquaintances. They're not people that you say hi to, uh, even though you might work with them. Uh, when I was in school, I went to a public high school and, uh, and I had my group of friends. They were not my close friends. They were people that uh, I, I would hang out with. And, uh, and I hung out with them, honestly, because uh, they were uh, less foul-mouthed than anybody else in the entire school. So uh, I would not call them my friends because really uh, I, didn't, I, I just spent time with them at school because they were really the only group of kids I could hang around. And, uh, and I really didn't go much further than that. I did invite them to church, uh, but, uh, but most of my friends were really church friends. They were uh, kids that were at church. And, uh, and so I'm thinking about friends, and this verse is referring to friends 
that are closer. Now, sometimes there are friends uh, that are not as close. And so this Bible verse gives us the idea in verse 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Now, the first part of that is, uh, is easy to understand. Ointment and perfumes rejoice the heart. And it talks about scents. And I was reminded uh, of how scents really, um, really can affect you. Uh, and, and for some reason, I don't know why, this popped into my mind, but, uh, but not sense in a positive notion, but stench in a, in a negative notion. And I remember uh, in Peru when we first arrived on a missions trip and, and going to uh, one of the small towns, and, and I remember uh, just like, I was like, man, it really stinks here. I mean, it just, it stuck out in my mind. And, and it turned out we had driven by a large trash uh, I don't know if it was a dump or what it was, but man, it, it was powerful. And, um, and, and I have to tell you this story. It has absolutely nothing to do with the message. It has everything to do with stench. And, uh, and so this missionary friend of mine, he was in Papua New Guinea, and uh, he was traveling around, and, and, uh, and, and he was traveling on a plane with one of the doctors. Uh, and, and the doctor, uh, he looked at the doctor, and he said, he said now, doc, he said, I... I'm here for the Lord, and, and I'm glad to preach the gospel to these people. He's like, but I just have one question for you. And he said, well, what's that? He said, how do you handle the stench of stuff? Because, I mean, you're talking a very humid, a very moist climate, and it just, the stench is bad. And, uh, and the doctor said, oh, I got an easy solution for that. He said, what's that? And he, and he held up what was a little container of Vicks Vapor Rub. He said, what do you do with that? He said, here's what I do with that. And he stuck his finger in it and he stuck it right up one nostril and then he stuck his finger in it and stuck it up the other nostril and he said, I can't smell nothing. So that's how you take care of stench, all right? Um, now, if you don't like Vicks Vapor Rub, well, it might be better than the, uh, the alternative. So there's a free tip for you if you ever travel to a, a place, uh, take some Vicks Vapor Rub, it might save you some, uh, some problems. But it's amazing that scents are very powerful. If you think about it, I mean, the, the idea of scent uh, and, and there's some sense that will will remind you of, of a time and of a place. Uh, I was looking at a little bit of that and and some of the ideas of like baking bread. And if you smell baking bread, it will take you instantly to a place in a time in your life. If your mom baked bread or if somebody else did, maybe your aunt's house or some kind of special time or something of that nature. Uh, it, for me, it reminds me of Navarre, okay? Uh, if I smell baking bread, I just happen to think of Navarre, Ohio. And, uh, and so uh, it's amazing how sense can, can really cause you to be reminded of something. And in the Bible illustration that he gives here, he says, uh, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. And so obviously he's dealing with a, a positive sense, something that it smells good and it, and it brings great joy and it brings great uh, um, um, happiness to the heart. The Bible says in Psalm 45 and verse number 7 and 8, it says, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness, therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloe and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. 
sometimes uh, there's some scents uh, that, that you will smell, maybe vanilla or, or some other fragrance, and you smell that, and it just, man, it makes you kind of happy. Um, one of the scents I do know this uh, is that lavender will, will actually help you feel relaxed. Uh, and so it's amazing the power in those scents, but he's giving an illustration that they would be well acquainted with. And he said, look, at just like a, a good ointment and a good perfume will bring gladness and joy to your life, he's comparing that to this in verse number 9. He says, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend. And he's saying it is good to have friends. It's good to have trusted friends. You know, um, sometimes we want to be, um, some people will consider themselves a loner. Listen, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody, God designed us to be social creatures. He did. Uh, that's one of the things during COVID. I, I think most people really suffered most during COVID from depression just from not having social interaction with other people. And that was difficult for a lot of people. And so he says here in this verse, he's saying, listen, as, as a fragrance would bring joy to somebody's heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend. And that idea of sweetness is, is an idea of a trusted friend, one that you can rely on, one that you can trust. So it's a friend that is there for you. And then look at what he says about that friend. In verse number 9, he says this, um, So doth the sweetness of a man's friend, it says, by hearty counsel. Hearty counsel. Now the word hearty means sincere, proceeding from the heart. And a friend is going to counsel you with the full weight uh, of your problems in his own heart. It's somebody who will listen to you and they will, uh, they will feel uh, the pain that you're feeling because they are a friend to you and they understand how important it is to you. And so they will listen and then they will counsel you understanding or trying at least to understand what you're going through. Um, of course, the, uh, the great, one of the great examples, I believe, in the Bible of, of friendship would be that of da Jonathan and David, of course, in the Old Testament. You're talking about an unlikely pair of friends uh, that, that were really loyal friends. Save your spot here in Proverbs. Go with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 19. And this is after uh, David has is already kind of on the outs with, uh, with Saul. And uh, Saul is, is not happy with David. He's jealous of David in all reality. And Jonathan, I don't think, is fully aware of how jealous his father was. But uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 19, and look with me at verse number 2 and 3. Well, we'll start in verse number 1 for context. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 19 and verse 1, And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. So here you have it. Saul is upset, and he wants David dead. Verse number 2. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. 
So we have Jonathan interceding and really giving advice and giving counsel to David. He's saying, listen, you go hide and, uh, and make sure that nobody knows where you're at. And I'm going to go talk to my dad and I'm going to find out, hey, what's really going on? Why is he out to kill you? And, and what's going on there? So we find that Jonathan is giving counsel, hearty counsel to David. He's saying, look, I, 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 basically, I care for you like my brother. Uh, I, you're important to me. Uh, look with me at chapter 20 and verse number 12 and 13. We're not for sake of time. We're not going to go through the whole story. Uh, but but Saul does try to kill David and uh, and things of that nature. Of course, David escapes. And look with me in chapter 20 and verse 12. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David and I, then send not unto thee and show it thee. And I then send not unto thee and show it thee. The Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee and send thee away that thou mayest go in peace and the Lord be with thee as he hath been with my father. And so we see hearty counsel being given from Jonathan to David. And, uh, and he's looking out for him. Listen, it was a breath of fresh air for David. I mean, here he is, he's living in the king's castle and, and, uh, and, and he's married to the king's daughter. And even when he was married to the king's daughter, uh, Saul sent and said, hey, bring me, bring me David. And, and um, his wife said, well, he's sick in bed. And, and Saul sent back and said, hey, then you bring me the whole bed. And I'll kill him. Um, I mean, that's how serious Saul was. And so, so Jonathan was a breath of fresh air. It was refreshing for David to have a friend that he could trust. It was sweetness. It was hearty counsel that we, he was giving him. He was saying, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help you out and I'm trying to look out for you. And, uh, and so listen, it's, it's a breath of fresh air when you have a friend that you can go to and you can talk to. And you know that they're going to uh, try and do the best they can for you and that they're going to help you. And, and so that's the kind of friendship that David and Jonathan have. The Bible says back in our text in Proverbs 27, with me in verse number 19, we're just going to kind of lump this verse in here with this idea of, of a refreshing of a friend. It says in Proverbs 27, 19, as in water face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. In other words, he's basically saying, listen, water face answereth to face. In other words, somebody in our day, we don't go to water to uh, to see our face, we would go to a mirror. And you look in a mirror, you see your reflection, and as you would talk to yourself. He said, so the heart of man to man. In other words, that a man's heart would, would give hearty counsel to a, his friend that he cares about. And so we see that uh, there's a refreshment coming from hearty counsel from a friend. When you have a friend that will give you counsel and that will help you out and, and he's trying to understand and he's trying to be there for you, it, it, is a, it is a breath of fresh air to know that, hey, you're not the only one and somebody's trying to help you through these situations. So it's a refreshing to have a friend. Go with me to verse 10. He says this in verse number 10, Thine own friend and thy father's friend Forsake not 
neither go in into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. And we'll take that first part of that verse, uh, and, and really the first verse, verse 9, is the re- refreshing of a friend. Uh, the second ver- verse, verse number 10, is the relation of friends. I want you to notice in the first part, he says, uh, keep your friends close, basically. And I put down close at heart. In other words, that, that you would not turn your back on them. And that's kind of the counsel that he gives. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. And what he's doing is he's encouraging, hey, be a good friend to your friends. Um, and, 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 and be a, a, a good friend to people. Keep them close. Uh, don't allow your friends to, uh, to get far. Sometimes people get far, and, and sometimes you can't help that. Uh, but, but listen, in today's day and age, many people have uh, a very skewed idea of what friendship is. Many people think friendship uh, and a friend is somebody who can get you something. Uh, oh, I'm going to be friends with him because he can get me that next job promotion. Oh, I'm going to be friends with him. Because he can, he can get me good sale items or, or this or that. And, and many, many people, they have such a skewed, twisted idea of what friends are, they don't even know what true friendship is. And so the Bible gives us a clear idea. He says, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. In other words, hey, be close to your friend. Don't abandon your friend. We talked a little bit about that last time and how Job's friends were good friends even in a time of of difficulty and trouble. Uh, Job's friends came and and they were there for him. Hey, the Bible advocates being a friend that is like that. Somebody that's there to help other people. Look with me in 1 Kings chapter number 12. 1 Kings chapter number 12. We see the idea of not abandoning your father's friends. That's probably the first time we've come across that in the book of Proverbs. And not abandoning your father's friends. And I I think it's so ironic that that is written in the book of Proverbs. And yet, how is it that Rehoboam fell? Well, from that very thing, to be honest with you, in 1 Kings chapter number 12, we're going to look at that. Who was Rehoboam? Rehoboam was, uh, was, was Solomon's son. Uh, Oh, the irony. His dad said, don't forsake your father's uh, friends. And here is the fall and demise, really, of Rehoboam in in 1 Kings chapter number 12. Look at what it says there in verse number 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. So Rehoboam's about to be, back up to verse 43. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. There you go. There's the connection. Solomon, his dad. Rehoboam, his son. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel was come, were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, to, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. 
And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him which stood before him. You know the story. He went and consulted with his friends and his friends said, no, you need to increase the taxes, make them double, make them worse, make them work harder, make them pay you more. I mean, uh, that was your dad's wealth. You need to make your own wealth. And, uh, and you know the story then. He, he, of course, listened to that younger generation and he forsook the, uh, the wisdom of his father's uh, counselors or his father's friends in all reality. And, and we find that what happened is the kingdom ended up being divided completely into. By the way, in verse number 2 it says, And it came to pass when Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it. It gives you a parenthesis It says, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. That is Jeroboam, uh, the Bible says, the one that made Israel to sin. He was a wicked king. And, uh, and he actually had fled from the presence of Solomon. And when Solomon had passed away and Rehoboam would, uh, had ascended the throne and, and, and Jeroboam got wind of that, he said, man, I'm going to go back. And the first thing he brings up is, hey, you know, he kind of brings up a, a controversial point. Hey, your, your dad was really hard on the kingdom. How are you going to do things? And he really perpetuates the, the dividing of the kingdom by bringing these points up. And, and Rehoboam makes poor decisions by forsaking the counsel of the old men that had stood before his father, the wisest man that ever walked the earth. And we find that, hey, he forsook his father's friends. And, uh, and he took and followed the idea of his younger friends and, and totally divided the kingdom. The Bible says that uh, only... One, one uh, area was with him and all the other 11 tribes, uh, or maybe it was 10 tribes, I don't recall now, uh, they left and said, we don't want nothing to do with you. By the way, they took and made Jeroboam their king, who, who caused Israel to sin, sin greatly. You'll find it all throughout Scripture. So we find that, uh, hey, don't, back to our proverb, he says this in verse number 10, thine own friends and thy father's friends forsake not. So we need to be careful about forsaking and walking away from our friends. The second part of that verse, he says, Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for it is better, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Now, I haven't lived close to my brothers, neither one of them. I have an older brother, younger brother, and I'm right smack dab in the middle. And, uh, and I haven't lived near my brothers in better than 20, 25 years longer than that, almost 30 years. And, uh, and what he's saying is not necessarily that your brother is bad, but sometimes it's better to have a friend that's right there. Now, in Bible times, they may not have lived so far away, but even if your brother lived on the other side of Maslin, sometimes in a bad moment, it's better to have your neighbor that'll look out for you. 
And, and he's saying it's better to have somebody that's right there uh, that's close in location. The first part of the verse talks about close in heart. The second part of the verse talks about close as in location. And it's, I think it's kind of ironic that they wrote it that way. I think it's part of the proverb, to be honest with you, that he would discuss that. But we're talking about the relation of friends and keeping them close, but then the close proximity of some friends that may not be your best friends, but they may be good people. Listen, everyone will have a difficult time at some point in their life. We'll all face some kind of tr- struggle. Um, I remember just uh, uh, last year, one of my neighbors uh, had the ambulance at their house and in, I don't know if it was night, I don't remember exactly. I was, we were awake, but it was right during that time of COVID and, and it was like, th- I, they were very careful about not being around people. And I, I, I really, if it had been any other time, I would have said, hey, what can we do to help? You know, I would have gone over and said, hey, can we watch your house? Are you going to the hospital? As it turned out, uh, her husband went to the hospital. She didn't even go. They wouldn't even let her go because of COVID. But, but that's what it, the idea is that, hey, that it's better to have somebody that's right close at hand in that time of emergency when you need somebody uh, that, that, you can, that you can at least know uh, that's there. That's the idea of that verse. And as I think about that, I think what the, the idea for us as Christians is, hey, we ought to be that trustworthy neighbor. That somebody could call on us and they could say, hey, you know what, I got an emergency, I got to go. Can, can you watch my house? Can you do this? Can you take care of my dog? Can you help me out in some ways? Uh, and listen, that we as Christian people, we can be that trustworthy friend. I, I mean, if you think about this idea, that is the whole idea that Jesus was teaching with the Good Samaritan. You think about this, the Bible says, you know, when when that young man came to Jesus and he spurred the whole parable of the Good Samaritan, he asked Jesus this in Luke 10, 29, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You remember that? He's trying to get out of it. He's trying to say, well, you know, my my neighbor or my close friend. No, your neighbor is whoever's close by uh, that may have a catastrophe happen to them that you may be able to help out and you may be able to aid and you may be able to lend a hand and you may be able to be that good neighbor uh, that it would be even better than perhaps a brother that is far away that, that could not get there in that amount of time. And so the idea there in that verse, in the second half of that, he says... Uh, Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor, he didn't say a friend, but a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. So we ought to be good neighbors. And in in that regard, in a loose idea of friendship, we ought to be good uh, friendly people uh, to help others in, in a time of need. So we see the refreshing of a friend. We can see the relation of a friend. I want to see the refining of a friendship. Look with me at verse number 17, the refining of a friendship. This verse I've looked at many times and I, I never really thought a lot about it, to be honest with you. I've heard it quoted a lot, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. As I was sitting in my office and I read that verse several times and I was just kind of thinking about that verse and repeat reading it and reading it and thinking about it. And I noticed this. The Bible says, as iron sharpeneth iron. It's the same material. Sometimes you think you have got to be 
the, the Mr. Perfect or the best person in order to help somebody else out. Listen, the Bible talks a lot about metal. It talks about precious metal. It talks about gold. It talks about silver. It talks about metal that is, that is very valuable and metal that is, has a lot of worth. But yet, in this illustration, it gives us the idea that iron, and iron is not a real um, valuable metal, if I could say it that way. But he says this, that listen, iron, a person that may be imperfect, can sharpen and help another person that is also imperfect. And so working together, we can, we can help each other out. And, uh, and that's very true. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says, For two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Listen, it's amazing how uh, two are really better than one. And, uh, and you can be a friend and you can be a help. You can refine somebody else. You can sharpen them uh, and help them in their life. And we find a very simple idea that, uh, that you can sharpen others. You think about Jonathan and David. We won't go back to their story for sake of time. But the idea there is that, hey, they did sharpen one another. They did look out for each other. And uh, one of my favorite uh, ideas or thoughts or stories in the Bible, I have a lot of favorite stories in the Bible, but one of them is uh, David. After he becomes king, finally, he says, is there any of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? There just happens to be Mephibosheth. And, uh, and he says, hey, I'm going to bring him. I'm going to show kindness to him for, for Jonathan's sake, for my best friend's sake. And you talk about a friendship uh, that, that went on and went on. What, a, what an incredible friendship that they had and really made each other better because of it. And, uh, and what an incredible illustration of an iron sharpening iron and the refining of friendship and how having friends sometimes that may challenge you and sometimes that may have a sweet, hearty counsel, but nonetheless they are your friend and they're going to help you in this life, we looked at these verses a couple weeks ago, but verse number five, open rebuke is better than secret love and faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And certainly a friend, sometimes uh, they, they will be blunt and brutally honest with you. But other times, they're going to have sweet, hearty counsel, the Bible says. And listen, it will help you. It will refine you if you allow your friends to have influence in your life and if you be a good friend to other people we have the refining of friendship let me just cover this really quick verse number 14 we have this is not a benefit but it's a rival of friendship look with me at verse number 14 it's a rival of friendship he that blessed his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning it shall be counted a curse to him. Some people like to quote that verse to me. Finally, I learned it. So I don't ri I still rise early, but I'm not loud. Well, I don't think I am, but some people still think I am. But I try not to be loud. But that's a good verse. That's a rival to friendship. As I thought about that verse, it's obviously, it's very true. It's very, very forthcoming. You know, some people are not morning people, and some people are morning per people. I, I don't know that I'm really a morning person. I don't roll out of the bed chipper, but I do roll out of the bed pretty early usually. 
And, and so uh, I'll roll out and, and, uh, and I just kind of, you know, go about my business and, and I'm ready to, you know, getting ready for the day. But sometimes we need to be careful that we're not uh, obnoxious, I would say, is the idea behind that to other people. And sometimes people uh, tend to be obnoxious and they say, well, that's just who I am and, and you need to be my friend because that's what the Bible says. Well, actually, the Bible says, don't be obnoxious to your friends. They will, you will drive them away. That's what's going to happen. That's human nature. That's the idea of this verse. That is the rival of friendship. Don't be obnoxious. He says right here, he that blesseth his friends. So he says, you know, he's doing good things uh, with a loud voice rising early in the morning. It shall be counted a curse to him. In other words, we need to be careful even on good notes and even on good things, that we are not overly obnoxious to other people. That's kind of the idea. And, and we need to refine ourselves and become a better person and become a better friend and become a better uh, helper to other people so that we can be better friends. We don't need to excuse what I would call is our idiosyncrasies uh, and then just say, well, they have to accept me for who I am. That's not, that's the Bible completely contradicts that idea. It says it'll be counted a curse for you. And so to, uh, to maintain good friends, sometimes we need to be careful about who we are and, and be careful of our own idiosyncrasies and, uh, and, and overcome some of those things that we have in our life so that we can be better friends to other people. So we have the refreshing of friends, the relation of friends, the uh, refining of friendship, and then the rival uh, of friendship that really can put a, a dent in friendship with other people. And so I hope that helps you tonight as we think about friends and uh, think about the idea of friends and think about the idea of being good friends to people. And uh, we ought to be as Christians, we ought to strive to be friends with other people. Uh, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, the Bible says. And so we ought to be friendly. We ought to be neighborly. I believe that's what Jesus was teaching and in Luke chapter number 10, when he gave that idea of the Good Samaritan, that we would be helpful and we'd be friendly to other people. Listen, the world needs more friendly people. There's no doubt about it. There's enough cranks out there. We don't need more cranks. We need more smiles. I'm glad there's not a mask mandate. You can smile at people. I kind of miss that, to be honest with you. And we can smile at people and we can be happy and you can... Uh, be friendly towards other people. What a, what a blessing to be able to do that. Um, as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your instruction on friendship. And God, it's certainly not what the world practices. It's not what the world does. And some, many times, God, it's not even what our flesh desires to do. But help us to be good friends. Help us to be helpful to those that we can help. And God, there are those who really in reality we cannot help. And we're not able to, maybe for whatever reason, maybe they don't want help. Maybe they would hold something against us and would not allow us to be of benefit and help to them but help us to be friendly and helpful to those who are needing a friend. 
and those who would accept a friendship. And God, may we be known as Christians who are friendly because of what you've done for us. Because, God, you overlooked all our faults. You looked o overlooked all of our sin and our wickedness and our filth in our life. You loved us and you saved us. And may we transpond that same love to those around us. And be friends to the people who need a friend. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Be a friend. Be friendly. Be faithful. announcements. Um, on August 10th, we're planning on having our preacher's fellowship here at the church, and so we're looking forward to that. We start at uh, 9.15, and the preaching starts at 9.15, and, uh, and we're looking forward to having a good time. So if you want to be part of that, you're more than welcome to come out and, and join us for that. And then the teenagers should be back from teen camp on Friday about 2 o'clock. Is that what we put down, 2 o'clock? Uh, roughly around that time. So um, just be aware of that. If you have a teenager, please come pick them up, okay? Um, otherwise, I'm going to put them to work at the church and make them work, all right, until you show up. No, I won't do that, but uh, I'd be tempted. Um, so uh, be aware of that. Sunday, we have service, 10 o'clock, same as normal, 11 o'clock and 6 o'clock, and that is all the announcements that I remember. So that's all we're going to cover. That'll get you through Sunday, and then Sunday we'll go over the announcement. There you go. God bless. It's good to see you. Smile at somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them here tonight. And, uh, and we'll see you on Sunday.